choice. Because guess what? Hebrews 11 said Abel's righteous. I mean, you talk about going all the way back to the garden, right? Abel was righteous. Cain was of the wicked one. That's a choice. I didn't make them to be that way. God sets before us good and evil, life and death. We're to choose life that we may live. That's a choice. That's a choice of every single person here today. It's every single person on the, in the planet right now. Been well brought out. This book is not from America. This, is, this didn't come from here. In fact, that's one of the things I make clear when I'm overseas and doing some Bible study in Asia and things like that with people with the Vietnamese or the Burmese. They look at me and, ooh, have this weird guy, this foreigner. I say, hi, I'm Steve. I'm from the States, man. Want to go over uh, some scriptures with you today. You know, I'll do a Bible study here, but I got to make it clear to the people. I may be from the United States, but this book is not. I may be from America, but the book is not. The book is from the Middle East. The book is from Jerusalem. In fact, the book is from heaven. This is from the Creator. And the most amazing thing about this book, you don't have to change a word of it. I preach the same way here in the U.S. as I do in Belarus, Ukraine, or any of those places we go uh, where we do our humanitarian work and our, and our outreach. Same book. Don't change, change a word of it. You do need a good interpreter, and, and humor don't trans, translate very well, so forget that. You may tell some cutesy thing you think pretty funny, and the people just sit there looking at you. And then I'll see Oleg sometimes come in laughing until he's almost crying. I'll go, what's so funny? He said, I just heard a joke, and blah, blah, blah. And he's laughing so hard he can't. I said, well, tell me the joke, man. So he starts to tell me the joke, and I'm like, that's it? <laughs> I don't know why that is. Humor don't translate so well. The wickedness was great. But it said Abel was righteous. It said Enoch walked with God. It said Noah was perfect and, and, uh, and he was uh, upright. Noah also walked with God. Perfect. Just. At the same context, God says the heart was wicked because that's a choice. So, we're not made that way. You want to walk with God? Well, as Christians, again, you like checkbook? All right, I'm just turning to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, talking about the exceeding great and precious promises that now God has given to us. Now these are people that are Christian, they're already born again. But that's not one and done. You know, sometimes I think the Christians think, well, I got baptized. Got baptized. That's nice. That wasn't the end of anything. That was the beginning. Well now, through these as his divine powers given us all things to pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and virtue. By which has been given to us this exceeding great precious promises that through these, what the exceeding great precious promises, we may be partakers of the divine nature now, having escaped the corruption in the world through lust, have we? But also for this very reason, add. Be diligent now and Add to your faith virtue and knowledge and self-control 
and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. For if, if these things are yours and abound, they will, uh, if, these are, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he who lacks these things, what things? The things he just got done listing, you lack these things, you are short-sighted to blindness, you cannot even see afar off, you've forgotten you were cleansed from your old sins, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, what things? The things he just got done listing, then you will never stumble, for so an entrance will be supplied to you, and the abundantly, uh, interest supplied you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Whose action is that? Ours. He didn't say God was going to add, 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 add. He said, you be diligent and add, 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 add. If you do these things, then an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But if you lack these things, it's because you're blind, short-sighted. You can't see. Your mind is not set on the things above. You can't see that far. Your mind is still set to the earth. Look, we're going to establish here in the course of our lesson here tonight, you can't be nowhere. You are either walking in the Spirit, led by the Spirit, and strengthened by the Spirit, with your mind set to things above, or you're earthbound automatically by default. There is no middle place to be. Now, granted, some people try to be lukewarm. One foot in the church, one foot in the world. Well, the Lord's got something to say about that. He said, you're lukewarm. I'm going to spit you right out of my mouth. I wish he was either hot or cold. But forget about being stuck in the middle. You default to being spit out to the world. This action is ours. We have to develop this godly character and hold to it. Don't deviate. This is our integrity. We're going to be judged by this standard. But the only way that we're going to be able to do any of this Look, we're going to have to be, we're going to have to trust and not be afraid. There's a whole lot of reasons why most people do not make it after they're born again. Jesus said we have to strive to enter that narrow gate because wide is the gate and broad is the way to lead to destruction. He said many going in that way because straight is the gate, narrow is the way to lead to life, and few will find it. Now look, we did not come gift-wrapped with righteousness. The, the, the flesh we see from, we read it in the Genesis account, for the most part, everyone went south. They weren't made that way. There is a tremendous pull, the pull of the world, a pull. Our inclination is to the natural man, to the dark side. Cain was of the wicked one. That's an intelligent evil. That is a pull. 
The stuff going on in this world is not just bad hair days and another Monday. This, this evil, the darkness of this world that we've all been a part of is intelligent. The stuff that's going on right now, the, the killing and the bombing, I've gotten texts since I've been here from people in Ukraine. They're moving to some of the brothers. I saw some pictures of uh, the guys that we meet with in the drug rehab. A lot of them are Church of Christ guys. They've been in prison, but they've been born again. They're, they're immersed. We they're doing Bible studies. They said, we're, we're going to spend the night in the church building. We believe Nicopole is going to be attacked tonight. Now, that's now probably already passed. Don't know the status right now. They said there's a lot of gunfire and explosions, and people are afraid. And it's real time right now. That's the darkness of this world. It's intelligent evil. It's way bigger than Putin. Just like when you see the dragon in Revelation chapter 12, standing ready to kill that child as soon as it's born. But the child was caught up to God in his throne. See, the child that was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Well, you go back and read the biblical account when Jesus was being born in Bethlehem, what? When Herod realized he was mocked by the wise men, he sent soldiers down there to do what? To kill all those baby boys for two years and under from the time he acquired of the wise men. Well, it might have been Herod doing it. Well, who do you think was behind it? Who do you think's behind this that's going on right now? He's just working for the devil, man. For the dragon. In Ephesians chapter 2, these people, these Ephesians, are... They're Gentiles, born again. But he said, he made you alive. You were dead in your trespasses and sins when you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The devil, see? The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in love to the flesh, fulfilling desires of the flesh, and of the mind were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who was rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us even when we was dead, and our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we've been saved. Obviously, when we were walking according to the course of this world, we were not people of integrity. We weren't righteous. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. The inclination of the flesh, eventually, the bottom line is everybody going to sin and fall short of the glory of God. Now, again, that doesn't mean we're made dogs. I mean, obviously, you know, a New Testament Christian, when you think about who we really are, as Matt was well bringing out, God defines who we are. We're no longer, remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, those born of woman, none greater than John the Baptist. But he said, what? He who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. What, John didn't make it? That's not what he said. John the Baptist was born of woman. John the Baptist was never born again, but he was least in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone in the body of Christ who is born again is not considered born of woman anymore, according to Big John chapter 1. If you are in Christ, you've had the right, the power, the privilege to be born, not of blood or will of the flesh or the will of men, but born of God. Right there in Big John, starting in verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us too. Who's talking about Jesus? But he came to his own, verse 11 said. They didn't receive him. The Jews 
But as many as receive him, to him he gives the right, the power, the privilege to become children of God. Those who believe in his name, they're born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of men, but of God. You know, if you're born of God, he's saying you ain't born of woman. No more. What does he say in Romans 8, verse 8 and 9? Those in the flesh, he said, can't believe God. But you ain't in the flesh, Paul said. You're in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwell in you. And if anyone don't have the spirit of Christ, he ain't his. That's pretty plain. Right there in Ephesians chapter 1, it says in verse 4, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, just as he chose us, who's us? The Christian. In him, in Jesus, when before the foundation of the world, that we should be what? Holy, without blame, before him and love. This is before the Garden of Eden. There is no earth. There's no outer space. There's no galaxies and gamma rays yet. This is nothing. This is, this is in heaven on the drafting table, Christ being the architect, developing this plan that we would be chosen in him. To be what? Holy and without. We talk about being conformed. Let us make man in our image. Genesis 1.26. My personal conviction, I know maybe not everybody agrees with that. That man coming out of the dirt was not in the image of God. That was a prophetic perfect. Meaning just like Genesis 1.3 says, let there be light. The Apostle Paul unpackages that, let there be light. And what is that? That is the light of the knowledge, Amen. of the glory of God. <clears throat> it is a God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ coming to a theater near you. It's the third verse of the Bible. The Apostle Paul just told you what that verse was talking about. It was about the glory of God that would be shining in the face of Jesus Christ, who would come until the fullness of time. Right. Fullness of time, our time. I mean, in the sense of the Christian dispensation. Talking about us. And we were what? Chosen in him. When? Before the foundation of the world. That we would be what? Holy. You know, that's to be perfected in all goodness and righteousness. That we would be holy without blame. Before him in love? Are you kidding me? There is no earthly way in this world that human being was going to be holy and without blame before God in love until Jesus Christ. Right. That can't be done. He already said it in Romans 8 and 8. Those in the flesh can't please God. Period. No human being comes gift wrapped that well. In the innocence of your youth, you're just, before your eyes of your understanding are opened, having no knowledge of good and evil, you're just simply blameless, as well as clueless. But there's innocence of children. Because they what? Have no knowledge of good and evil. That's not the image of God, a blank slate. Does God have knowledge of good and evil? Yes. What did it say? What was the tree? It wasn't an apple tree. 
It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of it, you'll die. While your own eyes will be open, knowing good and evil, they did that, and in the act of doing that, getting their eyes open, they broke God's commandment, sin, and died. Separated. You know, I never was very good at Simon Says. I mean, you know, you know, Simon says, put your hands on your shoulders. Simon says, put your hands inside. Put your hands on your head. <laughs> Sit down, fool. Man, I just barely get going. I can't even get past Simon Says. How long do you think you were going to get with your eyes open knowing God, good and evil, going out into this world totally clueless of being tempted by the devil himself, a seven-headed dragon with an attitude? What chance do you think you stood facing him? He'd rip your head off and screw down backwards before you even begin to get started. Paul said, I was alive apart from the law once, but when the commandment came, sent me by, boom, I died. Shot through the grease right there. Hit it just barely got started. Happens to everybody. Well then, once you've done that, once you've done that, once you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, like Humpty Dumpty, man, all the king's horses and all the king's men can't put your tired self back together again. You're broke. You've sinned. You've been separated. You need a savior. The only way a human being is going to be holy and without blame before God in love is in him, it says. Just as he, God, chose us in him, Jesus, when? Before the foundation. Let us make man in our image. But nowhere in all that process do you lose your free will. No, never do. God says, I set before you good and evil, life and death. Now choose life that you may live. You've never lost that choice. Put off now concerning your former conduct, your old man. Let's read that right there in Ephesians chapter 4. Talking to Christians who were dead in their trespasses and sin, who've been now made alive. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. As I say then, therefore, in the Lord, that you should what? No longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of the heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all cleanness with greediness, but you've not to learn Christ. If indeed you heard him, Jesus, if you've been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conduct the old man, that goes corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and yet you put on the new man, or be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which is created, according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Isn't that Ephesians 1, 4? That we should be holy and without blame before him, love. Put off concern that former conduct, your old man, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on a new man, created according to God. You can't pat yourself on the back. You can't boast. This is all God's action, man. We're just supposed to believe it. Like, really believe it? As it's been well brought up, this is what trust is all about. Do you realize someone just born a woman, an unregenerated human being, cannot have that kind of trust? They can't have that kind of faith. They don't have that kind of power. You can't transform yourself. The only way the real biblical trust, same as the real biblical faith, 
Real biblical righteousness. None of this is not just theoretical or I can't stand that old rose-colored glasses gig. Well, see, and Jesus, God puts on these rose-colored glasses when he looks at your sinful self. And all he can see is the blood of Christ. That is the nuttiest thing I ever heard in my life. God ain't stupid. He ain't blind. This is his action. This is his plan. Before there was an earth. You talk about intentional. It's already been brought out of our, our faith. Is our faith accidental? Or, I mean, it's not your, your, your purpose. Once you, were made, you, you made that decision to be born again, was that a, somebody didn't force your big self in that water with your clothes on against your will, especially some of them big guys. Where was the big brother that was here this morning? What's his name? Daryl. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I think he had to take off. You gonna put him in the tank of water with his clothes on and he don't want to go? <laughs> <laughs> like baptizing these screaming babies. You know, that's another dumb thing. You got in that tank because you wanted to. That was an act of your free will. You know it. And it never stopped being your free will. We got a potential that goes right off the scale, man. Right off the scale. Our faith has got to catch up, though. When the Apostle Paul's bringing this stuff out, don't you know, Romans 6, when you was immersed into Christ, don't you know, what should we say? Should we continue in sin and grace and bound? Certainly not. Certainly not. Somebody brought out, Matt brought out about all the debates and all the problems we had because we said, we believe that the power of the new creation was to overcome the old man by the power of God, by if you walk in the Spirit... You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're led by the Spirit, strengthened by the Spirit, if you through the Spirit put to death the deeds of your body, you'll, all that action is God's thing. And then they went nuts. They wouldn't hear what we were saying. Well, it's in the Bible. You just got to read it. Don't you know? Consider yourselves to be Dead indeed to sin, Matt brought out. Lie to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't let sin reign. Whose action is that? Ours. Is that generally your experience? Right after you kind of got out of the tank and somebody threw you a towel and you're getting yourself dusted off, dried off there? Was that your experience? Man, it was all gone, man. I mean, all that old garbage that you used to have going on in your head. You know darn well it wasn't your experience. Do you realize what he's seeing here is your faith, buddy, has got to catch up to your new reality. Every child that's born, a baby that's born, a little cute little thing like that, totally helpless and clueless, has potential. A potential that is not realized yet, not by the infant for sure. Now moms and dad might think this kid is going to be somebody special. <laughs> but... They're going to be something more than what they are. That's a fact. That's what it's all about. Why do you think God uses a metaphor of a new creation? Or a, a, you must be born again. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus said. Can he enter mother's womb a second time and be born? But Peter said newborn babies need milk in order to grow. What, taller? No. Spiritually speaking. 
What a journey. What a process this is. But see now, because of these exceeding great precious promises, now we've got to be diligent and add. Add, therefore. Build it up. Build it up. It's exciting. Look, if you're having a real hard time getting into the Word or doing what you think you ought to be doing and reading the Bible because it's boring, I don't ever understand it. Look, you do have to start small. You do have to, you know, like 101, you know, and that's true with anything, right? You can't just go right from zero to being a, a brain surgeon. You, if you're going to go to medical school, you're going to have to do 101, 102, I don't know what they do, but years of learning. We grow. We've got the rest of our lives to do this. But I'll guarantee you, what if you don't do nothing? Nothing happens. God ain't gonna zap you. God ain't gonna zap you. He may eventually zap you. <laughs> and you don't want that kind of zap. Look, you ain't never been this way before. You've never been this way before. You never had the kind of integrity that God was looking for, and you certainly did not trust. I'm gonna go into the uh, book of Isaiah. I like this one. This prophecy. God's action. This is his action now. I'm looking at Isaiah 42, verse 16. I'm going to bring the blind by a way they did not know. I am going to lead them in paths they did not know. I will make the darkness light before them and the crooked places straight, these things I will do for them and not forsake them. That's what God's going to do. You ain't never been on this road before. Already been well brought out. I don't remember if it was uh, Mike. The highway of holiness. The highway will be there. A highway of holiness. The unclean will not pass over. Be those or those wayfaring, even though these fools, shall not err therein. These wayfarers, you've never been on this road before. This highway of holiness, uh -uh. God says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to bring the blind in a way they didn't know. I'm going to lead them in paths they've not known. I'm going to make the darkness light before them, the crooked places straight. These are the things that I'm going to do. You know, do you realize that God does all the heavy lifting in these scriptures? All the heavy lifting. It's already been brought out. What really did Israel do? It was God that thumped on old Pharaoh. And I mean, he had a heart in his heart, man, because God wanted to make an impact here because he wanted this, this to be heard 40 years later down the road in the land of Canaan. Because old Pharaoh would have caved in like a paper bag after the second volley. So God just hardened his heart, stood him up, knocked him back down. Hardened his heart, stood him up, bam, knocked him back down, stood him up. Old Pharaoh, man, was just, until there was nothing left of Egypt. It was a smoking hole when God got done with it. And they were like, get out of here, man. Get these dudes out of here. Egypt was wrecked. Talk about God's superiority. And rolling up the sea. They get to the edge of the sea and they're starting to freak out. Oh man, here comes Phil. We can't drink all this water. What are we going to do? God, Moses cried out to God. God said, what you crying out to me for? Lift up that staff I gave you and go forward. 
Moses lifted up the staff and whoo! Again, whose action? What did they do? They went for a walk. A walk. Oh, but the minute that now that they're supposed to start doing something, oh, moaning and groaning. God brought us out here to kill us, man. We're dying of thirst. Where are we going to get something to eat? Like Mike brought out. You really think God went through all that to bring them out there across the, through the Red Sea only to have them starve to death or die of thirst? Man, people are weird. <laughs> but what about us? What about us? Look, Jesus said, all right, pilgrims, listen up. You want to follow me? Matthew chapter 16. You want to follow me? Okay, here's the deal. Matthew 16 and 24. Anyone going to follow after me? Here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to deny yourself Take up your cross, and let's go. Whoever desires to save his life as you know it, you want to hold on to your old life as you know it, well, guess what? You're going to lose your life. But whoever is willing to give up his life for my sake and the gospel will save his life. He said, what's the man profit to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Well, what would you give in exchange for your soul? Now, that question is going to, that's a legitimate question. It will be answered. It will be answered by every single one of us. One day, that day is coming. When that smoke clears and you look around, you want to make sure you're a sheep. Because if these look like goats, uh-oh, uh-oh. That question will be answered and people realize in an instant what they've done for, for, in exchange of their soul. I think it would be in a good way. <laughs> you gave up that old way and you saved your soul. That's what he's actually telling us to do. Deny yourself, take up the cross, and let's go. Give it up. You don't want that old life know how. What pleasure did you ever have in any of that that you're now ashamed of those things? This is not going to be easy, but it's cool. We have to develop a kind of trust that we're made to trust. We can do this. You've never been on this road before. You never have. God has to lead you every step of the way. When he called Joshua up there in Joshua chapter 1, after he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now get ready. Every, I'm going to send you over there. You're going to lead these people into this land that I'm giving them, children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread, I've given you, I told Moses. You're going to go up in there against the, the Hittite and the, all these seven nations, and no one's going to be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. But now be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide and inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give. Only be strong very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commands. Don't turn to, from the, the right hand or to the left, but you, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You may observe to do according to all that's written, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Now be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Woo! Now you think about that. Somebody already brought out you. If you was going to have to go across 
Any one of them nations, any one of them seven was greater and mightier than they were. You got your sword and you got your guys and you're going to cross this, this Jordan River. And you got to trust, don't you? Why do you think God puts the sword in their hand? Why didn't he just go boom and make them all run away or send the hornets? He did that once. Drove the Hivites out with what hornets? That'll work. Then all you gotta do is move in, right? Hey, look at this house, man. Two car garage, pool in the back. This one, I got this one. You know, he said, you got beautiful cities, but you didn't build. Houses filled with all good things, but you didn't fill. Vineyards planted, but you didn't plant. Wells dig, you didn't dig. Read it. Good around me sticks. Looks good. Why did he just do that? Why did he put the sword in their hand? Why didn't tell them they got to go over there and take that land and fight that? Brother, we all have got this huge battle to fight. And we've met the enemy. The enemy's us. And that, that enemy does not have any integrity. He's, he's soulless. Worldly. That's the old man. Put off concerning the former conduct, the old man. He grows corrupt according to the deceitful law. you got to kill him. We have to run with endurance this race that's set before us. Paul said, you know how all run, how the, you run in a race and how everybody, they all run. He said, but only one win the prize. He said, so run, run to obtain. They're doing it to get this here corruptible crown, the laurel, but we do it for an incorruptible. Run your guts out, run to win. Well, you, we're not running against each other. You're running against yourself. It's yourself. It's your old man. Look, if you want to win this race, kill him. You don't take off, man, get gone, you don't got a gun, but then, boom! You're going to win. You kill him. I'll guarantee you what, if you don't kill him, he will kill you. That's what it says. That's exactly right. The old man will take you out. He will kill you. You know... You can't have that kind of biblical faith, that kind of trust. Once you launch, you know, if God says go out, go out and do it, I'm with you. Okay. He said, be strong now, be of good courage. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. He told him in Deuteronomy, what, chapter 20, 1 through 4, when you go out against your enemies, you see horses, you see chariots, people more numerous than you. Don't be afraid of them. Lord, your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And so it shall be when you go out on the verge of the battle, and the priest shall approach and speak to the people, and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you're on the verge of the battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Don't be afraid. Don't tremble or be terrified because of them, because it's the Lord your God. It's he who go with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Man, that's easy to say. Horses, chariots, more numerous, big ugly guys, man, with their swords. And you're outnumbered seven to one. God's like, go ahead, I'm with you. You gotta trust, don't you? You really got to trust because once you leave that point of that demarcation, you, you launch off on the, that forward edge of the battle area and you're committed, you better be trusting he's there, right? Or you're going to lose big time. 
You have all these things written that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ and believe and have life through his name. So all these scriptures are given to us. Gives us comfort and hope, confidence to have that kind of trust, to develop that kind of a integrity. Look, the darkness is great. We're totally surrounded by it. You know, the news says 24 news, the 24 hour news cycle kind of a thing. I mean, there's a lot of misinformation, but I mean, you can look in real time, people freaking out, running. I saw today that people were yeah, yelling uh, in, in Russian, crying out, and the, the commentator said, what they are saying is, merciful God, help us get through this. That's what they were crying out, merciful God. You know, Jesus said there'll be wars and rumors of wars and pandemics and earthquakes and obviously we're up to our eyeballs and pandemics and, and wars and rumors of wars. It's all over the place. The darkness is easy to see, but the light has to be unpackaged. God is so intentional as his purposes. When he calls us out of the darkness, Peter says, and into the marvelous light, Man, he can open the eyes of our understanding that we rise above the circumstances. God does not change the world. He changes the individual. You can sit side by side with your spouse, and if they don't want to be a part of this inside, if they're just going through the motions, they're never going to know the peace that passes understanding. They're never going to have the confidence and the joy and the peace in believing. They're never going to abound and hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that is an individual thing. I, Psalms 33 says that God fashions the hearts individually. Individually. I'll share this story with you real quick. Like, we're in Belarus, and Yulia, uh, all you Eugene team guys know Yulia, it's that Yulia, Zvanik, whatever her nickname is, now married. Yulia said, Steve, I got a real good friend that was a freelance writer. She wants to do an article on Direct Connect about your humanitarian work in Belarus. Would you like, would you be willing to do that? A young friend of hers, Anastasia. I go, yeah, sure, Yulia, no problem. So we set it up. Uh, it was going to be in the morning. She's a young mom, had a baby, had to drop it off at her mom's. We're going to meet in a coffee shop by Victory Square. And uh, me and Alan Marshall, some of you know Alan Marshall, a guitar player and preacher from London. <laughs> okay, so we go over to the coffee shop, and it was just a table for four. And she's sitting across from me because she's going to interview me. And Alan Marshall is sitting next to her. You know, doing like a lot of people do, dink around on their phone. So Anastasia is asking me questions about the humanitarian work in Belarus. You know, when did you start it? Boo, 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 what do you do? And so I gave her the overview of our work in Belarus with the direct connect. And she's taking notes. Nice young lady. And she spoke good English, so she's taking notes. And then she looks at me and she says, uh, but tell me, why do you do it? I thought I just got done telling it. So I said, well, you know, it's good and right to do. You want to help the people and, you know, blah, 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 you know, da, da, da. And, and that's why we do it. And then she looked at me and she said, but why do you do it? I'm thinking, she speaks good English. She knows 
she's got to understand what I'm saying. I thought, she's fishing for something. She's looking for an answer. And I thought, okay, let me tell you why I do it. I'm a Christian. And I have a mandate from my Lord to visit the orphan and the widow. You know, help these poor people, the hungry, the disabled. We have to have compassion for the least in our society, the most vulnerable. I said, because this world is full of problems and they're struggling and it's right to do because we want to help them. We want to, and then I'm on a roll. I'm telling her why I'm doing it. Well, I'm looking at her. She's writing feverishly and her eyes look kind of watery. Now it's morning. Coffee is hot. I don't know about you. When I get up early and I'm drinking hot coffee, my eyes can water. And so I'm on a roll and I'm talking and her eyes are watery and Alan Marshall sat next to her digging around on the phone. And then I'm thinking to myself, this chick looks like she's going to start crying. And I keep right on going and I don't know her. So she, I mean, her eyes just water in the morning. What do I know? And because she looked very intent on writing down what I'm saying. And I'm thinking, she looks like she's going to cry. And all of a sudden, man, she busts out bawling. I want to believe that so bad. She shot in the coffee shop. Everybody turned out and Marshall was like, what the heck happened? Man, she's sobbing. I'm like, Anastasia, it's okay. It's okay. And she's just crying. It's so bad. You know, and then people are suffering and she's just going on. And, you know, I go, I know. It's okay. And she's just crying. Tell me how bad it is, how dark it is. And, and she's afraid. and Because uh, she wants to believe this so bad. But she can't. Because it's so dark. And there's all kinds of bad things. Now I didn't find out till later from you something I didn't know. I said she was a young mom. She just found out from some doctor that told her something's wrong with her baby. They don't know what yet, they were going to do tests. So she had that on her mind when she's sitting there. See, I got Yuli would tell me later, that girl never published that article. She said, Steve, she never published that. I realized she wanted to talk to me because of what Yuli had told her about us. And she wanted hope. So when I got her calmed down, I said, Yulia, or Anastasia, what you said about the world and all that suffering, you're correct. You are correct. You are right, exactly right. That is what it looks like. But what you haven't said, because you probably don't know, is the light. The light that is in the world. And she's looked at me like, what light? I said, Jesus said, I've come as a light into the world so people don't have to be in darkness no more. When Saul of Tarsus says it was blinded on the road to Damascus, also I persecuted. Who are you? Lord, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. What would you have me do, Lord? Get on your feet, stand on your feet. I have a mission for you. I'm going to send you to the nations. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan. 
to God, that they may receive forgiveness for their sin and receive an inheritance, eternal life for those who are sanctified by faith in me. The light, I said, is greater than the darkness, but it has to be unpackaged. You see only the darkness and you're afraid. But you need to see the light because it's greater than the darkness. And if you're willing, I'm willing to get with you and show you from the Bible if you would like to. She said, I would. Me and Alan were leaving on the airplane the next day. I said, I'm coming right back, though. And I did. I've studied with her three or four times now, met her husband, and the baby's also fine. But another woman told me the same thing, Elvira. You can translate her interpreter. And we had lunch, she told me one day, she said, my mom used to be a believer. I said, she did, yeah, but she's not a believer anymore. I said, she's not. Why not? Now her believer would be Orthodox, Russian. Not much like that. <laughs> but she said, we grew up poor. And my, my, my papa ran away. We lived with my dadushka and babushka granny and uh, grandpa. She said, Grandpa was a drunk, and he was mean, and we were poor. We had now no food. Granny got cancer. My mom and I went next door. We asked for a cookie, and we split it. And she's telling me how, how hard their life was, how poor they were. And, and she said, and more she was talking, her eyes started to water, and I realized, She's not telling me why her mother lost her faith or wasn't, didn't believe anymore. She's telling me why she couldn't believe. You know, that's what the atheists, that's what the Soviets taught them. There's no God. Where's your God? You, you believe in an all-powerful God? An all-knowing God? Omnipotent? A, a merciful, kind? A God of love? A God of light and truth? Where's your God, man? It broke my heart seeing those Ukrainians crying out, Merciful God, help us through this, crying out. It was on the news. That's a heck of a time to start looking for your faith and your trust and your hope. Hey, better late than never. But I told Elvira, I let her talk. I let her spill it all out. I said, Elvira, everything you just told me, the way you've described the life here, is accurate. You're you're right on. You that was a perfect description. Well, she looked surprised, like she didn't expect me to agree with her. Now I'm telling her I agree with you. She knows I'm a Christian. She knows I'm a preacher. She's looking at me confused. But again, I told her like I told Anastasia. But you haven't mentioned the light. And she said, "What light?" I said, "The light that came into the world." The Bible says that dark light excels the darkness. The light is greater than the darkness. God is able to open up our powerful minds. If you've suffered bad things, and those things happen to you, but if, if you're outside of Christ, that's all you can see. How can you have a mindset on things above? You don't know anything about things above. You don't know anything about where to set your mind. Your mind is only set on your life experience, which maybe was really bad and bad things happened to you. Look, if you're going through life, man, and that's all you can see, that's not very, you, that's not a very good picture. And that's where most people are at. 
But I told her, I said, there's light that came into the world. God can open up the eyes of our understanding. I said, it's like walking through life with a straw. If you're walking through life with a straw, and I said, you're going through one of your beautiful parks in Minsk here, and all you see is what the dog left in the park. That's not a very pretty picture. But wonder if you could open up that view. Wonder if you could open up the view and see the trees, and you could see the blue sky. You could see the old people walking, holding hands. You could see the kids playing in the park. If you want to look down here in the corner, the doo-doo, the dog left the doo-doo in the park. It's still down there, but you don't get, it's, it's overwhelmed by the bigger picture. That's what God does. He opens the eyes of our understanding. He turns us from that darkness to the light, from the power of Satan to God. That's what God does. That's why other people don't see what you see. All they can see is the dog doo-doo in their lives. It's depressing. But if you're a person of faith, and if you have that walk with God, and you trust in God, <clears throat> that he's your strength, he's your hope, he's your focus, he's your rock, he's your, your buckler, your tower, your shield, those who abide in the secret place of the Most High, or he, those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High, abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You're way above this place. That's what transcendent faith is all about, to be above, apart, and independent of this world. Amen. And that's where everybody has to go. That's what God gives us. That's the journey. But no one will see it but those of faith. And here's the source of it, if you believe it. If you believe it. If it's just boring, you ain't never going to see it. But man, if this is the delight, you meditate on it day and night, be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, uh, you know, be like a tree by the rivers of water, your leaves don't wither, whatever you do, you prosper. I mean, hey, that's righteous, man. That's what God does for us. Been great so far. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. I don't know if I went over my time or not. Sorry, brother. You good. I probably did. You got 15 more minutes. You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Look, I cut you some slack. I think I said all I need to say. <laughs> Thanks for your attention.